Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. How you guys doing? All right. I tell you what, I want to do something a little different. I want, I want you to do this because every person here, you are breathing in oxygen, exhaling carbon monoxide. Your heart is beating. You live in America. You are blessed beyond favor. So how about we do this? How about we stand to get, whoa, whoa. How about we stand and lift the roof off of this place and praise Jesus for about 15, 20 seconds. Let's do it. Stand up. Let's do it. Give God praise. Give him praise. He's worth it. He's worth it, church. Come on now. He's worth it. He's worth it. He is our God. He gives us our strength. He blesses us beyond favor. He is a good, 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 good God. Praise his name today. Thank you. Give the person next to you a high five and let's jump in. All right. Now, I'm going to let you guys have a seat, but I want you guys to give some love for everybody that watches on the other side of the lens of that camera. We love you guys. God bless you. We're so glad you're tuning in today. So, we are welcome to you if it's your first time or you've been here for years. We are so glad you are here. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called Chaos. How many of you agree with me there's a lot of chaos going on? Raise your hand. Yes, it is. And I tell you what, it abounds. And, and so we started that last week. And so uh, if you're here and you want the teaching notes and the message on this, just go to the app and hit Sundays on the bottom right-hand corner. And you can pull up the notes for today and the scriptures that I'll be using. But um, if you you've never downloaded our app, just go to the app store, type in Freedom Church Gallatin, and you'll find the app right there. Uh, a lot of cool things you can do on there. Our Bible reading plan that we're all doing together, you can give on there. There's a lot of cool things, past series of messages, a lot of cool stuff. So with that being said, last weekend when I kicked this off, when we think about chaos, chaos is disorder. Chaos is dysfunction. Chaos is confusion. And maybe that's you right now and that's your life and this is a perfect time for you to be here. And so with that being said, last week when I, I asked the question as far as the message, I, I said, why chaos? And it boils down to one word that people don't even want to, uh, churches don't want to talk about today and that's sin. Sin is when you and I miss the mark as so not to be able to share in the prize. I talked about that last week. And sin started in the garden. Now listen, everything was great hunky-dory in chapters 1 and chapters 2 of Genesis. But chapter 3 is when sin came in and it's been abounding ever since for those that do not seek Jesus for the forgiveness. That That's why he came down the stairway of heaven to take care of us and to be able to love us and to die for us to take care of the sin debt for humanity. With that being said, last week I talked about how that sin and what happens a lot of times with that chaos cultivates regrets. We saw that in the life of Jesus walking. We know that chaos causes pain and we know also that chaos jacks us up with a lot of fear and doubt. But through Christ and what he did for us, we can conquer chaos. When you live in this life, chaos is going to abound. But when you have the spirit of Jesus Christ, that's where that you can have life and peace. And without the spirit of God, you will only exist on this earth. You will not know what real life is. So today, as I want to fast forward, I want to talk about chaotic matrimony because I've never witnessed and I've never heard in a year so many people having tough times in marriage. So I think about marriage. This past week, Shannon and I, we have been married this past uh, week here on the 16th, 31 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. I don't know how any woman could put up with me for 31 years, and she has, and I thank God for it because I love her with all my heart. I'd take a bullet for her in a second. But here's what I want to say. When we got married, it was on a Saturday, and so you, those of you who don't know it, Shanda's birthday is the 15th. 
our anniversary is the 16th and my birthday is the 17th. So we have three-day blowout every year. And so on Saturday, September 16, 1989, our pastor, Brother Aikens, married us. Here's a picture of us right here. That was a lot less of us both, and I love that picture there. And I love my wife's dress. See all those bubbles? I don't see, I don't see ladies getting married with those bubbles these days. What's happened? Is that not on, is, is that not on interest or you have no interest of that on Pinterest? I'm just wondering, you know. Uh, but anyway, you know what's cool about that dress? We don't own it. We rented it and sent it back in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? That's what we did. That was, you know, that's, now they buy them and they sit in the closet and moths eat them. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, this is our pastor, Brother Aikens. He has gone to be with the Lord. Uh, I was, I think I'm, I was saved under his ministry. And uh, this was at my wife's church here that we got married. But Shanda had never flown on an airplane. Shanda had the opportunity. She is 18 there. I am 24. Okay. So with that being said, she went and started planning our honeymoon. And it was an amazing time. We, she planned for us to go to Bahamas. She had never been on a jet airliner. I had flown a few times. And and so we go down to Nashville that night. We stay at the Maxwell house. We felt like a king and a queen. And we go to understand the next day we boarded a flight to go to the Bahamas. Well, while we're flying down the Bahamas, I think somebody told that we were honeymooners and they said something to us on the flight about it. And that was cool. And then the airline, the pilot come on and he was talking about some guy named Hugo. And we didn't know who Hugo was. So anyway, we get down there to the Bahamas and we're having this really, really good time. And next thing we know, we found out that Hugo wasn't a man. Hugo was a hurricane. How many of you remember, old enough to remember Hugo? Yes, yes. So, we didn't have cell phones then, you know, we're there, we're having a good time. And next thing you know, they, they, we're going from, this chaotic matrimony is taking off really good. They start putting sandbags out around the hotel and it really got our attention. We thought, man, what's going to happen here with all these sandbags? And, and they're saying that Hugo's headed our way. And, and so, next thing we know, Shanda's Aunt Mary, her mother's sister, gets in touch with us and she and wants to talk to us. So she has us call collect on a, cell, on, a, on, a, on a payphone. If you don't know what a payphone is for the younger demographic, look it up, a picture on Google. It's this big box on the wall. It's got this wild looking steel cord that you stick to your ear. So we call collect and Mary is talking to Shanda. She is a very compassionate, loving person, but she's also a worrywart. I would tell her that. She worries a lot because she loves her kids. She loves her family. So she tells Shanda, y'all have got to come home. Hugo's headed your way. You can't stay there in the Bahamas and we will pay your way to get home. And she pulls the phone away. Shanda says, won't we, Wayne? That was her husband. So ended up, we were really scared and Aunt Mary was not helping the situation none. Okay, I'm just saying. Well, we didn't end up coming home. But Aunt Mary had a heart attack and went to the hospital. It just kept getting worse, okay? But she's okay now. She's still living. Uh, Wayne, he's gone on to be with the Lord. But um, that was chaos. I mean, you, you get in matrimony, but sometimes the chaos doesn't end in marriage, does it? It just seems like it keeps going. So I want to ask this question. How many of you here on the sound of my voice here in the auditorium and those of you online, I want to ask you guys here. If you are currently married right now and, uh, and you are, raise your hand. Uh, great, great, great. Thank you. Those of you that wish you wouldn't raise your, no, don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, how many of you here under my sound of voice in the future, you would like to get married? Raise your hand. Yes. And how many of you won't know part of it? Don't, please don't raise your hand where everybody be looking at you and saying, really, what do you have against people? You know? Uh, but anyway, well, that being said, if you think about your spouse right now, those of you that are married, when you look at your spouse, what do you see? Now, don't start saying, I see my husband's butt went to his gut. Now, I ain't talking about that kind of stuff, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. You know, you ought to see my wife's nightgown. She used to dress real pretty, but did not. No, 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 no. You're going negative. Don't, don't start having those thoughts, okay? Do you see forgiveness? Do you see truth in them? Do you see commitment? When you look at them, do you see love? When you look at them, do you see beauty? I'm just talking, I'm just talking about the natural here. Reminds me of a, one couple, they got married and they'd been married a few years and God forbid there was a terrible traffic accident and the husband's wife got burned really bad. And uh, 
they went to the hospital and he's tore all to pieces and finally the doctor come in and he was able to communicate with the wife and, and he said, I'm sorry, but you are not a candidate to do a skin graft for your face. I'm sorry. Um, and so it's not going to work. So the husband said, can I do it? Can I do it? So after a survey, they come to find out that they could do a skin graft from the husband. But the funny thing about it was is, is that the skin graft, the doctor told him, would have to come off of his rear end. So the husband and wife made a pact that they would agree that they would not tell anyone, okay? And they requested that their doctor not tell anyone and to honor their secret. After all, it was a very fragile and a very intimate situation to be able to say something like that, to be able to, to do that. So after the surgery was completed, she was absolutely gorgeous. She was more beautiful than she'd ever been. Her friends and her family would started commenting and for the longest time talking about how youthful her beauty was. And um, she come to a moment one night when she was alone with her husband and she was overcome with emotion and she was thinking about his sacrifice, you know, from his rear end to her face. And, and she said, because everybody just goes on how beautiful she was. And so she says, honey, I just can't, I just cannot thank you enough for just how you did what you did for me. And there's just no way I could ever repay you for your sacrifice. He said, oh, honey, he says, don't you worry about repaying me. She says, really? He says, yeah. He said, I get paid every time I see your mother kiss you on the face. <laughs> That's just wrong. Oh my goodness. Let me ask this question. Do, do you agree that every husband and every wife needs inspiration amidst the chaos that goes on around us? Would you agree with me on that? Yes, they do. So what I'm going to talk about today is just applicable Christian values, the Word. I'm going to talk about things that the Word teaches. Maybe you're here and your, your marriage is holding on by threads and you heard that we were doing this. Or maybe your marriage is off the charts, great, better than it's ever been. Or maybe it's somewhere in between. If you will apply what we're talking about today from the Word of God, and I'm talking about things, just a few things that, that I've learned and experienced in, in my journey with my beautiful wife in our time together, you can have the best marriage that God ever designed for you to do. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. See, life is designed for companionship, not isolation. Life is designed for intimacy, not loneliness. Life is designed for encouragement, not annoyance in life. The family is under fire in America. Would you agree with that? The family is under fire. Marriage is under fire. I don't know if you know this, but in America, every 24 hours, 3,000 children see their f mom and dad get a divorce. And those children, and many of you, and I would not have you ever raise your hand, but many of you in this auditorium or across the lens, on the other side of the lens of that camera, you have been a product of that, and you were left trying to make sense of two worlds. Mom's world, dad's world. I don't know if you know this, but in the year 1870, in our country, there was only one divorce per 34 marriages. By 1900, it had risen to one divorce per five marriages. By 1950, it had became one divorce per three marriages. And of course, those of you that read and know as of today, Divorce is one out of every two marriages. When it comes to marriage, we cannot allow the chaos in our culture, the chaos in our world, or the chaos that the enemy tries to bring into our matrimony to destroy us. And what happens is in that, the chaos of the world and the chaos of culture and the chaos of the enemy tries to come into your life, into your mind, to try to shape your thinking, to try to shape your attitude, and try its best to be able to shape your actions thereof, which ends up ultimately destroying the matrimony from that which you said, I do. 
So what's going to happen today? How can we change? How can we change that trajectory of that? It's got to be God changes. Not good changes. It's got to be God changes. And it's got to be from a chaotic perspective. You say, what do you mean chaotic perspective? Let me tell you this when it comes to a chaotic perspective. There will always be a chaotic perspective in this life. You will always be coming out of chaos. You're in chaos or chaos is coming at you. That's this life. We live in a sinful, broken world and that's what's going to happen. So you've got to learn how to live from that kind of perspective that you as an individual keep making God changes. And as you make God changes, then you will be able to survive and not only survive, but you'll be able to, to be able to thrive in your marriage, in your family, in your home, despite the chaotic perspective that comes at you. If you agree with that, say yes. yes. Wow. Your marriage will never get better by chance. It will only get better by change. That's how it's going to get better. Ecclesiastes 4, taken off from verse 10 and 11, says, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. How can one be warm alone? So we're seeing here in the scripture that two is good. Look at the person next to you and say, two is good. It is good. It's a good, good thing. And you say, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I tried that marriage thing and it failed and I just can't trust anybody else anymore. I received that and I understand what you're saying. But today, I'm not asking you to look at somebody else. Today, I'm asking you to look at the one that you brush your teeth and floss in and look at the mirror every day. Can I get a witness? I'm talking about God changes in you. So with that being said, first, we're going to go through three parts of this here today. And, and not that just two is better than one, but two is becoming one in a world of chaos. So we got to get that godly perspective when there's a chaotic perspective that's abounding in a sinful world. So we're going to look at understanding my wife, we're going to look at understanding my husband, and we're going to talk about being intertwined with God. We're going to start off with understanding my wife first. Now, what I want to do, gentlemen, you need to try your best to understand your wife. And some of you are already thinking, this dude has lost his ever-loving mind. Here's what I want to tell you. You understand your wife by how you make changes in your life. You understand your wife by how you make changes in your life, not how she needs to make changes, okay? We'll get to her later. We're starting with you first, okay, guys? So if you're going to try, gentlemen, to understand your wife, say yes. That was weak as all get out. We have four people say yes. I feel sorry for the rest of you wives out there. That's pathetic. Okay, let's do this again. I'm going to try my best to understand my wife. If you're going to do that, I want you to say yes. yes. Now you're getting somewhere. You got some brownie points there. That's pretty cool. I don't, it will not supersede where you didn't say something the first time, but God help you. That's all I can say. So, understanding my wife, we're going to talk about her needs. Say her needs, man. Her needs, her needs is non-sexual affection. It was like, that's crazy, Pastor. Non-sexual affection? Is that even a real thing? I didn't know that existed. Non-sexual affection, you know. Men, you have one-track minds a lot of times. There's more to loving her than sex. You hear what I'm saying? When's the last time you got her cards? When's the last time you got her flowers? When's the last time you took her out on an uninterrupted date? When's the last time you opened a car door for her? When's the last time that you did something that you did to get her? When's the last time you did something to keep her what you were doing to get her? Bing! Here, pin dropping here today. Wow. <laughs> it's like this past week, of course, we have a three-day blowout, 15th, 16th, 17th. 15th is it's my wife's birthday. So I did, man, we're building a house right now. Kind of things a little bit chaotic for us. And I'm trying to do some things and on the side. And man, I'm trying to thought, man, I got to get, do that. But anyway, I, I want to do something above and beyond for my wife each year. And so I went to get balloons and got all these balloons blowed up. Helium balloons said this, got a card, put money in a card and wrote, wrote out the card and all that kind of stuff. And I come home, don't want to see the balloons. So I leave the balloons inside my truck. You know what I did? I got up at two o'clock in the morning to go out there 
to get the balloons out and lay the balloons and the card on the counter there so that when she comes in, that's the first thing she sees. Whoop, 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 whoop. But anyway, when she comes in there, this is where it gets, gets funny. She opened her card and she read it and she said, you didn't write me a poem. Poem? You didn't write me a poem. And I said, uh, oh, she's, oh, tomorrow's the anniversary. Oh, yeah, tomorrow's the anniversary. I always write her a poem each year. You know, roses are red, violets are blue, and I ain't going to tell you what we're going to do. But anyway, um, <laughs> but it's just doing something that you may have done to get your wife. You continue to do those things to keep your wife. Those hugs and kisses and things like that that has nothing to do with, with the sex part of your marriage. It's an atmosphere of affection is that what I'm talking about. Something else that's important is intentional conversation. Over 20 years of ministry, one of the number one things that I counsel married couples about is because the dude quits talking. The dude quits talking. The dude quits communicating. He's not talking to his wife. He don't ever talk to me. He don't tell me what's going on in his life. I ask him a question. He says, yep. What'd you do today? You go anywhere special? Nope. That's about it. Yep. Nope. You know, whatever. You know, there's a lot more to that. Husbands, talk to your wives and set us out of time. It's important. She wants to know about you. You told her something when you got married, you ain't talked to her since. She's wondering, what's the dude doing since we said I do? You know, I ain't really talked to him. You know, he don't ever say nothing, you know. You know, it's crazy. You gotta talk. Got to talk. Michelle and I get in a hot tub each morning. You think, well, that's weird. No, it's not weird. I love it. We get in a hot tub with a cup of Starbucks and we talk. That's what we do. I love it. Love it. Nothing like it. Do whatever it is you do. Find your place in that to be able to talk to them. You talk about your life. You guys talk about your children. You talk about your feelings. You talk about your plans, guys. A lot of times the, the, when it comes to guys talking to their wives, a lot of times the wife will come home and say, honey, I had a bad, terrible day at work today. And then he responds, well, why don't you just quit? Well, I didn't say that I wanted to quit. I just wanted to tell you I had a bad day today. Well, why did you, if you didn't want my opinion, why did you say anything about it? I didn't want about your opinion. Next time I won't say nothing. Well, that's fine. Don't. That's about how things go with husbands and wives. Totally, totally confused. She just simply wanted to bend your ear and listen and get you to respond with love and care. Guys, God is ingenious in what he does. He gave us two ears, gave us one mouth. We need to do twice as much listen, but sometimes you need to use that hole under your nose, guys. That's what we got to do. They want to know what's going on in your life. It's important. Don't, and, and here's something that's just really hard about it, even if she tells you something's going on. Guys, we want to fix every situation that we know about. We are nothing but fixers. We think we got to fix it. We got to fix it with a wife. We got to fix it with the kids. We got to fix it at work. We got to fix it with a company. We got to fix it with a neighbor. Whatever it is, we're just fixers. She's not wanting you to fix the situation. She's wanting you to hear the situation and respond with love and care. Did you care about what's going on in her life? Maybe if you've got kids, maybe the only conversation she's had that whole day was kid conversation. She would like to have some adult interaction. If that's true, say yes, ladies. Something else is open honesty. Open honesty. Her needs is open honesty. Guys, I'm going to get straight with you right here. If you don't like it and you don't never come back, it's on you. I ain't trying to be ugly, but I'm going to tell you this straight up. If you can't hand your cell phone to your wife and let her look through everything without you deleting the history in it, that tells her you're looking at things you don't need to be looking at. Now, I use DuckDuckGo and Google. How many use DuckDuckGo? Anybody use DuckDuckGo? Nobody? You ain't heard of DuckDuckGo? They don't keep your information. That's what it is. It's a search engine. Yeah, search engine. They don't keep your information. So she asked me when she looked at my phone, said, about, the, about the history. I said, no. I said, they don't keep your history, but Google does. I don't know who that's for, but it's for somebody. I want to say it. You got to be open. You got to be honest. Tell her everything about yourself. She does not need any surprises. Describe your feelings to her. Somebody, feelings. I don't want to tell her about my feelings. Don't want to do that, Pastor. Well, listen, what we do, we're compartment stuffers. We stuff everything down inside. And I guarantee you, when stress, struggles, and strains hit your life, you may very well implode and explode. It's going to hurt you on the inside and hurt the people on the outside that you love the most. 
You need to share your schedule with her. You need to share your, share your daily plans with her. Never keep her in the dark about your thoughts. Doesn't mean, though, that you have to tell her everything. There might be something going on at work you don't want to tell her that would make her worry about the financial wherewithal of your family. That's one thing. You understand what I'm saying by that, gentlemen? Say yes. There's some things you want to protect her from. I'm not talking about that. She wants to know who you are because of the one that she married. Something else is very important is to be a willing breadwinner. That wife needs to know that you're going to be a willing breadwinner, that no matter what happens, you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that your family's going to be taken care of. I was in a store a while back, and I was behind this guy checking out, and he goes to open his wallet. True story. He goes to open his wallet, and when he goes to pay for what he's going to pay for, he says, my wife's going to have to get a job. So I reached up and tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, dude, I'm a pastor. And I said, it sounds like to me you need some pastoral counseling about how to be the breadwinner for your wife. He turned around and hit me, knocked me down on the floor. That last part didn't really happen because I knew it would if I meddled. But that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do. So, dude, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. She just needs to know that you'll do whatever it takes, crawl through glass, whatever it takes if you've got to work two jobs day and night to make sure that the family is taken care of. Now, there's a lot of, I got a friend of mine, his wife's a doctor. He took care of the, his three daughters and kind of did the whole daddy at home kind of thing. Whatever it is, you work it out. But I'm asking you, gentlemen, because of the way the wife is designed, she needs to know that no matter what happens, she knows you are going to take care of that family when it comes to financial wherewithal. It's important. Something else important to her, gentlemen, is a family commitment. You say, what do you mean? Spend time with your family. Spend time with the kids. I, I, all my kids, I would do certain things with them that they love the most and spend one-on-one -on -one time with them. Lily, I remember I would come home and it's when Beauty and the Beast came out and she had this little bell dress she had on, this little yellow dress. She wasn't but this tall and, and she would take pull it down off her shoulders to be so cute. And when I would open the door, I would say, picture this, Belle, and I'd be Gaston. She loved that, just special little moments. You know, if you're too tired to play with your kids, you don't need to have kids. Because you'd be like me one day, you wish sometimes they were still there. I got really depressed when the last one left for a little while. And then they had grandkids, and I forgot about them. It was all good. <laughs> just, just kidding about that part there of them grandkids or something else, you know. Because all of them has got the characteristics of the, of the three mamas, you know, and their daddies, of course. You know, this is pretty cool. So, But anyway, with that being said, you know, it's just important. you got to remember, guys, you got to remember your important role as a father in those kids' lives. you got to remember that you're not just raising kids. You're preparing and training future adults in a world that's not on their side. Very, very important to know that. Not just, it's not just your wife's responsibility to take care of the kids. It's yours too. You're a very critical role in their lives. But ultimately, guys, let me tell you something you got to do with your wife. If you don't get nothing else today, you have got to handle her with care. With care. You see a box that says fragile? That's like a wife. When you see that, I hope it embeds in your mind that every time you see a box that says fragile, think about your wife. She is fragile. She is the weaker of the vessel that God made. He made her strength in what her strength is. He made your strength in what your strength is and so forth. But she is the weaker vessel. She's not like us hard, tough men at times. And it's important we understand that. A couple of weeks ago, I had some stress going on in my life and chaos. So anytime I do a series, I always deal with things like that. But... I started my tone change with my wife, and she called me out on it. She says, why is your tone that way with me? Because I was under stress, and she called me out on it. And you know what I told her when she called me out on it? Yes, ma'am. I did, and I, learned, I told her I was sorry, because I did. I was getting stressed, and you get stressed, sometimes your tone changes. Well, that's not her fault. That's on you. That's on me. So I hope you pray that you understand that. But let, let me say this about being a godly wife. Listen to this, ladies. It says, Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul's writing to the Ephesian church here, the church at Ephesus in chapter 22, in chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Ladies, say in everything. Everything that is biblical. 
doesn't mean you submit to him and partake in the sin that he partakes in. That's not what that word is saying. If a man's being the man he needs to be and a godly man he needs to be, I promise you, men, your ladies will be glad to submit to you. You follow me on that? If so, say yes. So, let's move forward to understanding my husband. And some of you ladies are thinking that's never going to happen. <laughs> and so, we're going to try our best. I want to try your best to understand your husband and try to understand your husband's needs. If you are going to try, ladies, say yes. yes. Two people. God, I need to sit down because it ain't going the way I thought it would. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, God. Let me try it again. Wives, if you are willing to listen to what I'm going to say from God's perspective and try to understand your husband, will you say yes? Yes. Whew, thank you, Jesus. So, first and foremost, you know I'm going there is sexual fulfillment. Okay? You say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. We do that once a month whether we have to or not. <laughs> Guys are a little bit different than you are, ladies, okay? Read your book on it, whatever you want to do. It's a, a valid book that will teach you on it. But anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is instructions for Christian marriage. So like I challenged last service, I'm challenging this service. I want you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 this week on instructions for Christian marriage. If you're going to do that, and don't lie, if you're going to do that, I want you to say yes. One, two, three. Thank you. A lot of you are going to do that. The rest of you may miss out, but it is instructions for Christian marriage. And I want you to read that. But here's an excerpt when he talks about sex in the scripture. He said, sex. Can you say sex in church? <laughs> That'd be like Valentine's. Oh, you mean you believe in Valentine's? You believe in love? <laughs> no. The reason it's messed up is because the world, the enemy messed it up. There's nothing wrong with sex. It's something you, it's who you are before something that you do. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But anyway, here's what Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 7 beginning with verse 3. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Eee! I'm going to park there before I go into verse 5. When Shannon and I were getting married, I read this verse to her. And this is what I said. True story. She'll, you can ask her. I, I would not lie for love and money. I said, Shanda, it says that your body is my body. And it says that my body is your body. Now, if you don't want your body, I'm taking mine because it's mine. <laughs> We've had that agreement ever since. Seriously, we've had that. You say, well, why are you saying that, Pastor? What, what do you mean? Uh, what are you talking about there? Understand that when it comes to the husband, wives, you don't hold over your husband anything that he's not done or needs to do in the area of holding back the body that the Word of God says he has authority over because if you do that, you are sinning before a holy God. Ding! His Word says it. I didn't make that up. So if you try to, you, you ain't, we're not doing that because you didn't do this, or we're not doing that because you did, no, 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 no. That, that's a separate issue that you need to work out between a husband and wife. Has nothing to do with the sex in the bedroom or whatever it is. Has nothing to do with it. It goes on to say, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Ladies, don't look at your man every time he wants to get fresh with you and say, oh, come on, honey, let's pray. <laughs> let's pray, sweetie. No, no, no. It says you both agree. You both agree for prayer. Don't pull that prayer card out on him and do him that way all the time when he mentions something. It says afterward you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, let me talk to the husbands for a second. Husbands, now that you know your wife's body is yours and your body is your wife's, don't abuse your privilege, Jen. Man, don't go, hey, Pastor T said this. No, 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 no. Don't, don't pull me into your conversations when it comes to that stuff. 
You just stick to what the Word says and you'll be just fine. Recreational companionship. That's what he needs, ladies. We need that. You need to have an interest in what he enjoys in his life. Hey, listen, I took my wife deer hunting. She didn't like it. We never went again. But at least she's trying to be able to have a common interest in the things that I like. We started camping early in the first part of this year. Camping to Shanda was not glamping to Shanda, okay? It just wasn't her cup of tea, but she's trying to develop an interest in what we're doing. So that's what I'm challenging you to do, ladies. Listen, try your best to share in their interests. Try your very best to enjoy what your husband enjoys and develop that intimacy of having fun together and some of the things that he does. At least try. It makes a difference. Something else that's important is, is his needs is the physical attractiveness. Remember how dolled up you ladies would get whenever you go out on a date and, and man, and, and when you got married and maybe on your honeymoon, you wore something special for him. Well, now the most special thing you wear is a ripped up t-shirt that's down about your knees right here and your hair's all corded, you know, whatever. And no, 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 no. I mean, he likes you to be beautiful because he married you because you're beautiful. Ladies, do your best to just try your best to look best, your best you can for your husbands. And, and you know what catches his eye. You know what he likes. Do that. Go on those dates. Fix up for each other. Do that. And when you do, you know he's attracted to you in the, in the private. When he's with you, he's going to be proud of you in the public. Say, mm-hmm, don't even look this way, bro. She's mine. You see what I'm saying? Try your best to think about that. We don't want to let ourselves go. Something else that's important to a guy, ladies, is a safe haven. You say, what do you mean by that? Um, let, me ask you, let me ask you ladies this question. Is your home a stress-reducing home or is your home, ladies, a stress-producing home? Think about that. It's difficult, I know, in this day and time to create a peaceful, loving environment, especially in a society that has two career families, two people in it that's doing that. I'm not suggesting that it's the wife's sole responsibility to turn her house into a home. It is a team effort. I know that. You know that. But remember, the first few minutes for when a husband gets home is crucial by how God has wired us. And it would be a good thing that you meet him at the door. You know, if you can, with a loving smile. Don't meet him at the door. Hey, you got to come in here. Junior's been bad. You're going to have to deal with him right now. And by the way, the sink is stopped up right here. I can't do nothing sink. I can't get our dishes washed. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but the trash last week, I took the trash out. When are you going to take the trash out, honey? And oh, I didn't tell you. Did you know the bank called? We overdrawn. Hi, hon. Good to see you. It's kind of tough, isn't it? Kind of tough. Don't meet him at the door and, and do that. Those are things you can talk about. But thank God he made it home safely. Thank God if he's got a job and he's providing. Thank God he comes home to love you and your family. Something else that men need, ladies, is frequent approval. Because a lot of times they won't tell you about their insecurities a lot of times, but we are insecure men. Appreciate him more than anyone else does. Remind him of his value, his achievements. Give your man confidence. Let him know that you love him despite what's going on in the world. And try your best, ladies, to avoid that criticism because it goes both ways when you start firing at each other. Be proud of him. Have a profound respect for him as your husband. Be your husband's biggest cheerleader. That's what I love about my wife. She's such an encourager. She was actually the captain of her cheerleading squad. I love Terrell. Yes, I do. I love Terrell. How about you? I mean, she's just, she's just an encourager, you know? I love that. I love that. And so encourage him, especially when it comes to you ladies being around your friends. Listen to me closely, ladies. I'm coming on the Pentecostal platform. When you're around your friends, ladies, don't rag your husband brag on your husband. Did you get that? I hope you download that, you receive that in the name of Jesus. Because the worst thing it is, if you have couples and friends and, and you get around that couple and, and you notice that here's your friend over here and here's his wife and his wife looks at you like, just give you that evil, ugly look. You know something going on. You've been ragging your husband to her? Or you've been bragging about your husband to her. It's important. 
Ultimately, the biggest thing I can tell you about your husband is don't tame him. Don't try to cage your husband. Don't try to neuter your husband. It's not a good thing. Let him be the man. Let him be the provider. Let him be a visionary. Let him be a man that lives from passion. Let him be a man that's a risk taker. Let him be the man that God created him to be to release him to become everything that God created him to be. It's that important. Too many times a lady will find a man, they get married, and she tries to spend the rest of her life trying to neuter him and cage him which was never meant to be from God's perspective. I already said one time that my wife and I were happy for 20 years. Then we met each other. Not good. Not good. So becoming a godly husband, listen to what the Word says here. It goes on to say, Paul tells the church at Ephesus, which is applicable to us. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Husbands, today I see a lot of men who really hate themselves by how I see them treat their wives. And remember, wife, I know it's tough for you in what I read earlier to talk about being submissive to your husband. But ladies, as a wife, you get to submit. Husbands, you get to die. That's what the word says here. It means, men, you're to be serving her with everything you've got in here and be the spiritual leader of your home. It should never be a time that your wife has to kick your butt out of bed on Sunday morning to get you up to go to church. God forbid. That's not her job. That's your job, gentlemen. You're to be the spiritual leader of your home to where that you make sure that you're up early. You make sure that you're helping get the kids ready. You're helping everybody to get to, to, get to go to the house of the Lord. My kids never questioned where we're going to church. They knew where we'd be. You make sure that you're loving on your kids. You're reading the Bible to your kids. You're praying with your kids. You're loving on your kids. And ultimately, what you do is you pray with your wife. Because when you're close to pray with your wife, there's no room for the enemy to get between you. You say, well, I've never prayed out loud before. That's easy. Do like me and Shanna did. We laid in bed and held hands. And we would pray silent and then say amen. And she would pray silent and then say amen. Till we grew in that area of praying. Because when you have that opportunity, it's going to be absolutely amazing by what I'm going to read here. That's where you're intertwined with God. It says in, in verse 12 of Ecclesiastes 4, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So we need shelter when things are in shambles. We need Christ when culture is coming at us. And understanding that if you're not living this kind of life and intertwine with God. Listen, when the, if you're not training before the trials come, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to train now because the trials are coming that have not come yet. Stop blaming COVID for your marriage. Stop blaming COVID for your job. Stop blaming COVID for your depression. Stop blaming COVID because something else over happened. You and I know that COVID came, but whenever you and I are being God's people, that we are training with God and what God's Word says, when the trial comes, we're going to be victorious. We're not going to be victims, church. Come on now. Tired of seeing people be victims. We're going to be victorious in the name of Jesus because we're intertwined with God. Storms are going to blow. Chaos is going to come. Two can handle that which one cannot handle. You can conquer chaos together. But the next level is strength through Jesus Christ. God is everything and in everything, but you've got to invite him into your lives to hey, intertwine with him. So what do you do? Listen, husband and wife, you've got to hear. You've got to be hearing. Attend to when that storm is coming at you, when that chaos is coming at you. That way you can pray about it. See, you're, you're, you're training yourself through the listening power of the Holy Spirit. You're training through the listening power of the Holy Spirit. So when the trial comes, oh, it don't matter about COVID, we good. <laughs> don't matter you lost your job, we good. <laughs> it don't matter about that sickness, we good. It don't matter about those things, we're good. Because we've been training before the trial ever hits the life. 
Something else you do, you hug each other. You don't know the last time that you're going to see your husband. You don't know the last time you're going to see your wife. God might call them home. He might have more to do for them in heaven than he's got to do for them here. So you hug them and you let them know that you love them and you're there with them no matter what. Something else is important is, is hope. You be hopeful with your spouse. You build them up. You don't tear them down. You build them up with everything you've got. You are not enemies. You've got one enemy and he hates you and he hates me and he hates you have the opportunity to live for Jesus and have a godly marriage. So stop being enemies of each other and know that you have one enemy. It's important, but ultimately you help each other. You know where your help comes from and you know how to help each other. That's where you bind together in the spirit of prayer and grow every way you can in Christ. It's that important. So when you're growing in Christ, whether you're together, whether you're apart, the coolest thing is, is when you see your wife or you see your husband, that you can say, I see God are living for him. My husband's taking on the character of Jesus. My wife is taking on the character of her Savior, Jesus. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. That you can look at him. You can see a little picture of a little bit of God here on earth. And you know what makes a difference? As it says in Isaiah 38 in the last part of verse 19, it says, each generation tells of your faithfulness to the next. Some of you here, you've had a curse of divorce after divorce after divorce in your family. And you're trying your best to break that curse. You can break that curse with the power of God in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do that. And you can be faithful to tell the next generation and the next generation that the success in the marriage, we get, we get all jacked up, man. We got to go to these dating sites and say, I got to find the right person. I got to find the right person. No, no. Success in marriage is not finding the right person. Success in marriage is being the right person and making the God changes and say, I'm going to do everything I can be to be the greatest husband. I'm going to do everything I can be to be the submissive great wife. I'm going to serve my wife like Christ served the church. I'll take a bullet for you. I'll do whatever it takes. We're going to survive this thing and we're not going to just survive it. We're going to thrive in our marriage because we're going to look in the mirror of the one that brushes the teeth and I'm going to make God changes. And when you do that and you live this out, I promise you, you can have the godly marriage. You may have hoped and dreamed for them, dreamed for from the time you were little. You focus on the person that can change, and that's yourself. And when your spouse begins to say, what's wrong with you? Oh, it's Jesus, you know, it's Jesus. They look at you like weird. It's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. When it comes to marriages, it's not marriages that fails. It's, it's people that fail. It's just the marriage reveals the failure. And today, I want you to draw a line in the sand and say, no more failing. So I want to ask you to do something, and then I'll tell you what I'd like to ask you to do. If you're here with your spouse, in just a moment, I'd like to ask you to stand. If you're here and your spouse is not with you, I'd like to ask you to stand. But would you go ahead and do that right now, if you would, please, all over the auditorium. Father, in the name of Jesus, I praise you and I honor you and I thank you, God, for every matrimony that's represented here this day. God, I pray, Lord, that your hand be upon their matrimony. I pray, God, that they will look at you, God, and say, there's some God changes I need to make as a husband. There's some God changes I need to make as a wife. I pray, God, they'll not be pointing fingers at each other, but they will look to you to convict them of the changes they know they need to make today. And the strength comes from you, almighty God. As we continue praying right now, and I want to ask you to be as vulnerable as possible, and I know if you stand there with your spouse, if you know there's changes and the Holy Spirit's put his thumb upon that change you need to make, would you just lift your hand right where you're at, all across the auditorium? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. 
I want you to pray for God's strength to help you to make the God changes you know you need to make. As I pray with you, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for each one, God, that has said that they need to make some changes. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will give them the strength that they do not have and the courage that they have to make the God changes, Lord, and to be able to do that, God, through the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll bless every union here, that you would favor every union here. Make your face shine upon these unions, God, that they can be ones that will show to the next generation what a godly marriage is. Maybe you're here and one of you is a believer in a marriage and the other one isn't. The enemy, it's like the enemy fighting against God. It will not work. And you know what? If you're here today and you've never received Jesus, that's why you're here, friend. Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life because if he's not Lord of your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. You can't live on your husband's salvation, nor can you live and make it to heaven on your wife's. So if you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you right now and you know you need Jesus in your heart and you feel him tapping on your heart, just, just tell him right where you are. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to invite you into my life. I don't understand everything about this, but I do want to be the godly husband. I do want to be the godly wife. Or if there's anyone else here and you're thinking about getting married in the future, or you feel the conviction in your heart right now, just say, Jesus, I want to invite you in. I want you to come into my heart. Ask him, say, Lord, will you accept me as yours? Tell him, just tell him say, I believe in you, God. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me and rose for me. But now... You need to confess your sins to him, the things you've done wrong. Just tell him, I'm sorry, God. Take the things of my heart and my life. Please forgive me. Tell him, I, I want to be born again, God. I want to be born in your spirit to live for you. No longer live for myself. Save me, my life is yours. Tell him that. Save me, my, li my life is yours. you prayed that on the other side of this camera here and somewhere in the world or here in this auditorium, thank him for that right where you're at. Say, thank you, Jesus. He's going to give you the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He's going to put your name in his book. You've got reservations. No matter when you check out, you know where you're going to check in in eternity. Thank him for that. Father, we love you. We praise you and we honor you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. That even in the chaotic perspective the world gives, God changes, will give us the strength that we need to persevere. Not only to survive, but to thrive. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Let's give our great God a hand clap of praise. All right. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.